As a sales manager, you are judged by the performance of your team and you're praised when they do well. But one thing that you've not been able to figure out is how to get everyone on your team consistently hitting quota every single month. On the Snack Size Sales Podcast, we discuss the science of selling STEM. Sales leadership in the science, technology, engineering, and manufacturing fields is difficult. You will learn from sales managers just like you that will give you actionable insights and tips on how to develop as a leader and achieve your revenue targets every single month. So pop your headphones in and get ready to listen to my guests today. They will give you information and inspiration to ensure that you have actionable insights that you can put into place today. Hello, and welcome to the Snack Size Sales Podcast, where we focus on the science of selling STEM. Today, I have the great pleasure of having Justin Music of Kate Farms with me. How are you, Justin? Good morning. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. So let me tell you guys a bit about Justin. He is the Director of Sales Training and Enablement at Cape Farms, a plant-based medical nutrition company. He has 15 years of successful sales and sales leadership experience across the pharmaceutical, medical device, and medical nutrition industries. So sales training and enablement. Most companies don't even have that position if you're outside of the tech world. How did you start your career? And tell us how you got to where you are now. Absolutely. Well, I've always carried the bag in terms of sales since I graduated college. So I, I'm through and through a salesperson at heart. That's where I started. Uh, I started with a small kind of mom and pop uh, startup company in the medical device repair world. And kind of cut my teeth uh, for a little bit there. And then I moved into my first pharmaceutical sales job and from there, that kind of progressed and I, I was able to take on more responsibilities. I was promoted into a specialty rep role within that company. And, you know, along the way, just learned a lot about what, what sales is, what my style was, which was really important to kind of figure out my best approach in terms of engaging customers along the way. And from there, I, I continued to kind of work through the medical space. So I, I worked for a, um, a rare disease company, large, you know, Fortune 500 company there. And at that point, I was really, really interested in learning more about training, development, that had always been kind of a curiosity for me. In addition to that, I had performed well and had built kind of a good success story over the years. And so I was able to pivot a little bit from my professional trajectory from just as a territory manager in sales when I was at Boston Scientific into more training opportunities. And, you know, that seemed to really fit what I was looking to do, it seemed to fit my skill set. And, you know, from there, I spent the last five years in sales training, field sales training, different sales leadership positions. And, and now here I'm at uh, Cape Farms. I've been here just about two years as the director of sales training and enablement. So tell me about the difference of being the sales manager, sales leader, and the person that's training the sales manager or leader within a company, right? I, I do that externally. So I show up, I do my thing, and I'm gone. But really talk to me about within a company, how that role is for you. It is just different on each company you're at, right? So there's this interesting intersection of sales training versus sales management versus leadership development. And all of these have to kind of 
correlate with each other. And I can tell you just from different companies, different industries, they all interact a little bit differently. And it's really important, though, I think, to find that definition early as to what a sales manager's roles and responsibilities are as the leader of their team versus what that component of sales training and coaching should look like. Uh, versus, again, what, what other kind of components within sales strategy and sales leadership look like. So there's no kind of cookie cutter response to that I've found over the years, right? Some organizations really focus in on their sales managers taking a training lead and having more autonomy around that. Other companies do invest and invest uh, heavily in a sales training department or often called a learning and development department. That is a separate entity that helps to support the sales managers and their teams. So it really just depends where you're at. I've, I've been lucky to be at companies that really do value that ongoing training and, and learning continuum, and they put the resources there. And, and certainly I've, I've followed that because that's been an interest of mine as well. So one thing, um, you know, in this field that we work in, this STEM field, this heavily scientific field, I feel that in some ways we're behind, if you will, a lot of the I always like to say tech companies because, you know, you go into any of these tech companies, no matter how big or small, they, I mean, even startups have like a, a learning and development person, right? And so where we're just starting on that trend, I'm curious for you because you are not just a learning and development person, you're focused on the sales training, right? Within a company. So if a company is at that stage where they're like, okay, we need some ongoing learning and development and we want to focus on the sales team, the sales leadership, what are some of the first things that they need to do to understand what their internal needs are? Great question. So I think, again, a lot of ways to cut this up, but I think where you'd start, especially if you're a smaller company with limited resources, right? You have a lot of priorities. Where do you, where do you begin? You know, one of the things we work on at Cape Farms is really developing our field trainer, field training team, right? So these are your, your top performers that have shown success in the field you bring them in and, and you kind of promote them into a player coach role. So really, they're the eyes and ears uh, within their regions. They're the ones working directly with their, their directors or, or region managers. And frankly, they're the ones that are the experts, right? They may need more development in terms of how to train people and how to develop and some of the theoretical approach to it. But they're the ones that have shown success and can really be the ones that connect closely and build rapport with their team. So I would probably start there before you begin building out what may be necessary at one point, but before you build out a further L&D approach, definitely try to engage and develop your, your people, your field sales leaders first to begin building that component of the company. Where we are at Cape Farms is, is I am the sales training lead, obviously, at, at, a, at the company, but we do a lot of work with our field reps, and we have a number of them across the country that, that really help to onboard and to help ensure ongoing training and success within the field. So I really like the model that you guys have employed because to me, you've accomplished a couple of different things. One, you are putting a person who's uh, lived that life or who essentially has done that job, you're putting them into that position of leadership. And so they know what's happening. One of the biggest pushbacks you get from salespeople is, Eh, they never did this. They don't know what they're talking about. Oh, what are they doing? Blah, 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 blah. Right. So I think that's one great thing. And then there's another piece of the growth 
because so many times salespeople, they don't see growth potential. If they want to get into leadership and the company's based in Germany or in California, it's like, I'm not moving there. So all I can ever be is a salesperson. But you've essentially created a position and you've created that roadmap for someone who is interested in becoming a leader, a sales manager. Like these are the steps to get there. I couldn't agree with you more. That was something I was thinking about too and and kind of prepping for the podcast. And I felt that throughout stages of my career was where do you go if you're a salesperson and you want further acclimation to different roles within the organization? I think traditionally salespeople feel siloed in a sense from the rest of the organizational structure, right? And it's because we we are salespeople. That's what we've done and, and that's our identity and we're really good at it. It doesn't mean everyone needs to move into a marketing role or to a training role or anything like that. But I think especially for new sales managers, right? If you want to build that rapport and really build that commitment base within your team is setting up an individual development plan and being very committed to that. Because I think there is a sense that, well, I'm in sales. Where do I go next? How do I really leverage new skills and have a chance at other opportunities? And so this is the surefire way of doing it. It's a symbiotic approach because they get the development they want. They become leaders within their teams. And we're getting an incredibly important, valuable part of training accomplished with them in the field, uh, engaging their peers. Hmm. Yeah, I really think that you guys have uh, really done a really good job in terms of building out that training methodology and that path. And then even thinking about, you know, some people may want to go into a role of marketing or maybe they want to go into executive leadership. Some people may want to be a sales manager and having those development goals and saying, these are the tools that we have internally to help you be successful. At the end of the day, I'm assuming, I'm not sure that your turnover is probably not really high. Yeah, we've had, we're a very young company, you know, certainly, but yeah, we, we are committed to that. And I know people feel confident that they will have a path. Showing a path is important for every individual at a company. And it's also a great motivator. If you know you have a quarterly individual development plan, maybe an annual plan, it helps me as your leader and it helps them to really, um, you know, communicate that and work towards it. Very important. So you've been at Kate Farms for two years and... When you first started, I'm curious as to when you first started to where you are now, what are some of the the things that you've instituted into the organization that have really helped you guys grow? Yeah. So obviously, end of the day, it's about moving the number and exceeding goals. And you can never take your eye off of that. But I've, I've learned over time, and again, as an individual contributor, progression through my career to becoming a trainer and a director, it's important you meet people where they're at. And what I mean by that is being as a leader able to flex and accommodate their learning styles, their selling styles, personality styles, all of these things have to be accounted for when you're a sales leader. I think as most sales leaders or new newly minted managers, you want to kind of replicate how you've done something because you've done it well and you know, you've been promoted potentially because of it. And that becomes a cookie cutter approach and that doesn't always work for everyone as if you have seven, eight nine people on a team really just kind of engage. So, you know, one thing I've really learned is you have to be able to accommodate each individual if you're going to get the most from them. Oftentimes it might feel like a lateral sidestep in terms of what our overall goal is. That's to move the number and improve revenue. But if you do it then and you commit to that approach, you'll pay dividends in the future because they're going to be confident in who they are with their customers they're going to feel like they're really, really valued and they're going to know you understand what they need. 
so I have this whole, um, this trajectory and this picture I like to paint for people. It's of becoming a new sales manager. So it's okay. I'm at the top of my game. I'm always on the leaderboards. Uh, I feel like I've done everything I can in my sales position. I'm ready for growth. So you get that position as a new sales manager. You're really, really excited. And then six months in, your director starts beating you over the head like, you guys are not hitting quota. You're not doing this. And they realize that, oh my gosh, I knew how to sell. I knew how to manage my territory, but now I have seven or eight people. They don't think like me. They don't do what I do. They don't talk like me. And it's like that moment of, oh my goodness, can I take a demotion and just go back to making all the money I was making? Because as a sales manager, really, initially, a lot of times you don't even make as much money. And then your comp plan is different. You usually are getting a bonus instead of commission. And so it's like all of these things, right? And so when you are able to chart that path and say, okay, here's the intermediary step. And then here's your next step, right? And helping each person understand that, yes, this is what you did to be successful, but everybody on your team is different, right? They're all individuals. And if you don't have individual development plans and coaching plans for them, they're not going to be successful. Sales leadership management's not for everyone, you know, and that's okay. That's perfectly fine. You know, some people enjoy the the individual autonomy you have to really affect the organization that way. And but yeah, I think about our sales. They're sales directors at K Farm, sales managers. But yeah, they you have to wear a lot of hats to do it effectively. It can be overwhelming. That's where hopefully training can get involved. If you have some of these other resources around you, they can help kind of walk walk along with you in terms of developing your people, adding leadership development capabilities is critical as well. And, and that's actually a side note is like, as you've become a sales manager, you do become focused on the team and everything we said applies, but then how are you still developing? Are you getting what you need to be able to engage your team well and get the leadership tools and capabilities that you need to continue to grow as well? So that's, it goes for everyone top to bottom. And so, you know, people may disagree with me, but, you know, I'm a salesperson by heart, sales leader. And so I say that a sales manager, sales leader is one of the more difficult, if not one of the most difficult jobs within a company, because again, you have all these different things you have to develop as a leader, you have to manage a team and you have to hit these revenue goals. Plus you have to ensure that they have the skills that they need to actually sell. So you have to think about all of those different things and you have to balance, right? So there's only finite time in a day, in a week. And in order to make sure that you're still growing, you're growing each and every person on your team and you're hitting quota, right? And so you're right. It's like all about putting all of those development goals together to make sure that the sales leader is a whole leader, right? They're not a, a micromanager. They've moved on from being, if they're not in that player coach role, then they are really not in the player coach role. And define player coach for me, for us, I should say, because I use it all the time and people are like, what does that even mean? What is a player coach? A sales player coach is someone who's still very much connected to the day-to-day -day process of reaching a sales quota. And you're, you're there to flex all of your skill sets as a salesperson by engaging some of the top customers potentially and, and playing that role. But also, of course, you're trying to develop and, and uh, multiply your efforts with, with your team at the same time. It can be a dangerous place to be for too long, as you said, because you have to. And the hardest part is to start taking your hands off those reins and delegating. The key word is to be able to delegate. And that's where you have to place some trust, whether it's fully 
earned yet or not, sometimes you have to place that trust in other people, like a field sales trainer lead, right? Or, you know, offer some different leadership assignments within your team. Maybe you have a clinical specialist with your, in your team that really focuses on, you know, making sure your team understands um, the product basics, making sure they understand the product, the messaging. So that's how you start to really, I think, integrate a, a sales leadership vision within your team is you, you, you do delegate. You're still being pulled in for some of the big picture calls, some of the critical calls that are going to move a number. But you're setting that expectation that there are other people on the team that are going to help you pull the ball forward. Mm, that's good. That's good. Like I say, I say it all the time. People are like, what is a player coach? I'm like, yeah, this is what a player coach is. And if your job is to be a player coach, I think that's fine. But a lot of companies don't have the same structure you guys have at Kate Farms. And so what ends up happening is the sales manager is a player coach. They're going on every call. They're closing all the big deals. They're still acting like they're a salesperson. They haven't moved into the management uh, mindset, mind frame, and the 80% of the team who needs help and assistance and coaching, they're not even focusing on them. And that's where being a player coach in a company that hasn't set up things like you guys have, where it's a development route, can really be detrimental. Yeah. No, and again, every company is a little bit different, right? Smaller companies, this... This is the challenge for a smaller company with, with new sales managers. Again, it's finding the right, the right balance there because maybe you are absolutely being dependent on buyer company to drive the number in your capacity as a coach there. But you know, at the end of the day, you have seven, eight, nine, maybe 10, 15 other people that you're accountable for that need to learn how to fish, if you will. And uh, if you can multiply those efforts, you're going to win long term. Yeah. And sometimes I found that it's really just about relinquishing that control, right? So as that player coach, you probably have some key accounts, some relationships that you have been doing or working on for many, many years. And so, and because I know it's hard to let go, I always recommend, I'm like, just bring a salesperson with you on the sales calls, right? Let them watch you in the element, right? Because everything that you do should be a development thing. Anything customer facing is development. When you're talking to operations or customer service or marketing, whoever is your successor, right? Because you should be training your successor as a sales manager. I think that's getting into a whole nother bottle of wax. But again, like have your team shadow you so they get the same skills because eventually you'll relinquish those things. And then you can start thinking about your career trajectory. You can start watching what your boss is doing so you can, you know, move on up the ladder. I was not, you know, I, if you're a football fan, Nick Saban, Alabama coach, a lot of these coaches will say the same thing. You know, they win a lot of football games. They're Hall of Famers, you know, as coaches. But really, the indication of their success is what have I left the program and who have I groomed to take over? And am I leaving the program in good hands to continue that success? And that should be the case, certainly, with sales leadership as well. Absolutely. So tell me, you've had 15 years of experience. Um, you're relatively new in this role, but I know that you've been successful. Tell me about a person, a team, a project, something that you're really, really excited about accomplishing. Oh man. So I've definitely gravitated towards kind of startup environments, maybe not startup companies per se, but in, in some of my prior roles without getting too specific, I've, I've joined divisions that are, are new and are growing in different medical spaces. Certainly Cape Farms is a growing smaller, you know, company that's growing aggressively. And I like to seek that type of challenge and environment out. So 
I've been um, fortunate to be like at the kind of the front end of some of these types of divisions that are developing new products that are coming out potentially that are changing the medical space. So to me, like just generally speaking, I love that challenge of being able to leave my footprint, if you will, on a small organization that's growing and growing quickly. So, you know, I think I've had a lot of medical sales experience, so certainly that's where I draw from. But, you know, in, in a prior medical device role, I had a couple of what were more than year long sales that were high level hospital sales that took like said, 12, 14, 16 months to close. And you go through these incredible peaks and valleys during that process, and it can be disheartening at times and thrilling at the same time. And just having sold a couple of these big types of, of units into a hospital is, is a, a real, in my opinion, it's a real accomplishment in today's healthcare uh, environment. It used to be about two to three decision makers were involved with the capital decision in a hospital, right? A capital equipment decision. And now it's on average 11 or 12 people that you have to, you know, stakeholders that you have to pull in and, and really engage in order to get something sold into a hospital. So, you know, to me, I was able to do that in a smaller division at, at Boston Scientific, which was very, very exciting. And it, I felt very uh, relieved, obviously, to get the sale and get the PO, but it was a matter of pride that we were able to see it through for such a long sales cycle and that it was something that really benefited the patients uh, moving forward at the hospital. And it's nice, even now, I still talk to some of the folks that work at the hospital and they're, they're seeing great patient success with it. So mm. about the building portion, the building story, but at the end of the day, making sure you're doing something that's really affecting patient care in a positive way for the patients, for their families, and for the clinicians involved. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, that's what makes a great salesperson, a great sales leader, and definitely a great sales trainer, because you're always connecting it back to the higher purpose, to what is the business problem? What is really the bigger picture that the client is trying to see? And one thing that you said that I want to uh, kind of jump in on is you mentioned that your sales cycle was 12 to 14 months. And one thing that I see a lot of companies do wrong is they get new salespeople and they expect them to start producing immediately or in two months or three months. And I'm always under the belief that it takes a good salesperson anywhere from six to 24 months to become autonomous. And so if your expectations are less than six months, and if you're selling six-figure, seven-figure deals, it's going to be longer because it's a longer sales cycle. There's a lot more decision makers. There's a lot more red tape you have to go through. So I think really that story that you shared with how you were able to push through and you're still talking to those people many years later because you were passionate about the work that you did and it took you so long to win the PO that you got that satisfaction at the end. No doubt. And I, you know, you can't do it. You think about different points in your development and sales. And I think about my best managers were not necessarily my favorites, right? They're not your best friend, but they were the ones at times that gave you the really hard, critical feedback you needed to become a better professional. And I think that's important as you think about new managers and trainers and field rides and, and continuing to develop a training curriculum is, you know, you don't want to just check the box with, with your rep. You do really need to provide some of that honest feedback when and if, if you see it. Maybe that sounds obvious, but having hard conversations is not ever easy, just in general. So 
Yep. The best sales managers are the ones that, you know, after they give you feedback or tell you, hey, do this or do that, you go and you're like, in the back of your mind, you're like, oh my gosh, they get on my last nerves, blah, 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 blah. Then you get over that and you go do what they say. And you're like, oh yeah, but I guess they actually knew what they were talking about. But you never tell them, right? <laughs> you never say, oh yeah, it works. You just do it. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So Justin, this has been an amazing, amazing time. I really enjoyed chatting with you and really learning about the trajectory of your career and how you have built a training program, a department within your company. Thank you for joining today. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome. And that, guys, was another episode of the Snack Size Sales Podcast. Remember, in whatever you do, transform your sales. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today on the Snack Sized Sales Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave us a review. Learn how to continue increasing your bottom line by getting simplified sales strategies delivered to your inbox weekly by going to www.snacksizedsales.com. Trust me, your bank account will grow and love you.